Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Lots of analysis here in all the programmes today. Yesterday, following Robert Troy's decision to resign last night, of course, the, the drip feed information about his properties and his declarations of interest. And you will continue to hear political analysis about this over the course of the uh, the no- next number of days. Of that, I've no doubt. What stood out to me last night, though, was when he said, I personally will not apologise for being a landlord. And I'm just interested in your view on this today. Not the political view, but just what's the view of people? I mean, tenants and, uh, well, whether you're a tenant, whether you're a homeowner, whether you are a landlord yourself. I mean, you know, if you're currently queuing to view a house, and we were only talking about this here in the show, actually, in recent weeks. I mean, how do you feel about that statement? And if you are a landlord yourself, do you feel that you do have to apologise for being one. Or what's your view on this? Like, Let us know if you want to get in touch with us today. You can call us 1800 453 106. James is with us though on the line. Um, well, James, what's your own position first of all? Are you a tenant or landlord? Or? Hi, Andre. Uh, well, yeah, it's an uh, accidental landlord. Uh, so, I mean, I can see where Robert's coming from. I tend to keep it quiet. I wouldn't really... I wouldn't really mention it to anybody who doesn't know that I'm one because uh, it's, it's not been a pleasant experience. It wasn't a planned experience. It's been an expensive experience, and uh, I, I, I just I wouldn't advise anyone to become one anyway. Uh, I think I guess I mean twenty years ago, people were being told this was a great way to bolster your tenant, and you know people were being kind of pushed towards investment property with tax incentives and things like that. If you have 10 or 20 properties and you're, you're going through pain or you're, you're being vilified, that, that's one thing. But there are, I think there are cohorts of landlords, there are professionals, there are people like Robert who obviously took business decisions. And then there are others who probably never planned this, but are still vilified and, and lumped in with everything. I tell you what, James, uh, because I, I do want to, to 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 chat to you and to continue this conversation, but I just want to reconnect with uh, with you there on your on your phone line. So just stay with us, and uh, we'll we'll work on that um, in the next moment or two. But look, eighteen hundred four five three one zero six is the number. Uh, Haran is on the line as well. Um, Haran, what's your own situation? Hi, Andrea. Hi. Um, I am um, I'm a tenant, yeah, and uh, a member of uh, Community Action Tenants Union. This idea that people shouldn't, you know, personally have to apologise for being a landlord than Haran, what's your view on that? I find it interesting, the uh, the wording choice, apologising, um, being embarrassed, etc. Of all the emotions that's, uh, that you could find in a time of housing crisis, you choose this sort of a passive uh, apologies or embarrassment. Well, you could be angry for being a landlord and uh, wishing to, to change the situation or uh, enthusiastic and uh, see some um, solutions out of the box. Uh, apologies. We're definitely not used to apologies uh, getting us anywhere nowadays. James, you're, you're back on the line. I, I don't know if you heard what um, what, what Haran had to say there, but just just give us a brief synopsis of your own situation there again. You are an you're an accidental landlord. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's sorry, that's that's correct. Yeah. Um, we bought a property, an apartment in 2006. Uh, outgrew it as you, you you know you tend to do if you yeah. buy a smaller smaller kind of what would have been called a starter home or whatever at the time. 
um, it was a negative equity two years after he bought it by you know 50% of the value was wiped off it so we outgrew it so our only the only thing we could do was rent it we had no choice we couldn't clear the mortgage um, and that in itself has just been an awful experience on financially and in other ways um, but then you have this kind of I guess it's a vilification of, of landlords regardless of whether you're a a real estate investment trust, someone like Robert Troy who has 10 or 20 properties or someone like myself or a mom and pop landlord who have one little retirement income home or something like that that they've been renting out. It doesn't seem to matter who you are. I think uh, I would keep it quiet in company. I, I wouldn't broadcast the fact that we have a rental property and we are... Do you, James? Of, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, definitely not. You just keep it on the QT? Yeah, I think there's, there's a connotation to the word landlord here in Ireland, it just seems. I, I, I mean, 20 years ago, being a landlord was something that was championed. You know, you should buy as many houses as you can to derive a retirement income from them. You know, that's the way things were were portrayed 20 years ago in the in the Celtic Tiger era. And there was people who did, you know, who may not have had an income to support, but went out and bought three to five houses somewhere and thought, right, that'll, that'll have me sorted in my retirement or something like that instead of investing in a pension or whatever. You know, that's one, again, there's so many co- cohorts of landlords, um, just like there are of tenants, there's good and bad and, and everything else. But I think if, you, if you've if you been an accidental landlord from the crash with your starter home, you didn't Airbnb it, you didn't leave, say, the country or whatever and emigrate and you stayed here and you, you know, put that apartment up for rent for someone back in the day, in general, you've been hard done by. And I know there'd, there'd be someone taking out a tiny little violin somewhere, but... Well, there'd be um, a real lack of, there is, you know, absolutely, it's, the, the tone is, there, there's little sympathy. I get that. I get, I, I can understand that. You know, I, I'm not, as I said, I'm not a career landlord. I didn't set out to be a landlord. I didn't want to be a landlord. Mm. Um, and that should kind of give people an idea as to why someone who didn't want this, didn't set out to it and is getting away from it as soon as possible. That that should be, uh, you know, uh that should hit home a little bit for people as to if this was such a great thing for greedy people to do and, you know, you were gouging uh, tenants and all that kind of stuff. Why is it that whenever I speak to an estate agent, 75% of their listings are formerly tenant houses? They were formerly rented. So 75% of new sales at the moment with most estate agents I would speak to are uh, houses that were owned by landlords that are selling them. And you can say that's because the values are at top or something like that, but values are cyclical. I'm not near retirement age, but I'm still selling. So you're getting out? Yeah, of course I am, because I can't afford to pay the tax every year. You know, some people say, well, it's a business. You need to run it like a business, but it's not taxed like a business. So I can only claim interest relief or sorry, mortgage relief on my my interest payments or tax relief on my interest payment on my mortgage. There's a massive amount of capital every month paid towards that, that house at the risk of variable interest rates, which could be doubling or trebling in the next 18 months. You know, if those interest rates treble and I'm in a a rent pressure zone, then I'm going to be getting less this time next year, maybe 200 or 300 euro a month less for that unit than I am today. I'm worried about possible change of government and policy and what that might mean for landlords with CPOs or God knows what or, you know. Okay. Do, Do you have... An issue with the number of elected representatives then, um, James, who um, are also landlords. And look, albeit, you know, some no, of them aren't I mean, yeah, huge landlords. You know, I don't know, how do you define a big landlord? But Yeah, I can understand. I mean, 11 properties, undeclared properties and things like that are not good. Uh, anyone not declaring assets or properties or business, business uh, interests 
that's not good. That that you know the standards in public office exist for a reason. It's so you declare these things. It doesn't matter what mm. country you're in. You should have to declare your business interests. But I mean, I could you know I mean a TD isn't always someone who goes into work as uh, when they graduate as a TD and stay there until they they retire. You know, I could have, ha- you know, maybe maybe my was my prerogative to build a, a property empire, and that's what that was what I was going to go into. And I've bought five, and I'm on my way to getting ten, and now I got elected. You know, if if I declare them, there shouldn't be an issue. But I don't think there should be conflicts of interest in terms of a ministry that you get or something like that either. Okay, but so once it's, it's out in the difficult. open, once it's there, once it's once it's public, um, you you don't you don't see an issue. Stay with us, James, because yeah. I just want to bring in a couple of other people on this. There's a number of emails now coming in, texts here on on five three one zero six. Um, Haran, do you see an issue with like being a landlord? It isn't a crime, but do you like do, do you th- you know you're listening to James there and his view on it? But do you think that elected representatives could or should be allowed to own multiple properties? So we're talking about a staggering number of, say, 80 members of the Oireachtas that, uh, that are landlords. And uh, at this point, with, uh, with those numbers and w- with seeing, uh, seeing the load of, uh, uh, of bills and acts brought uh, in the doll that uh, that are relevant to housing uh, the uh, the efforts to uh, freeze the uh, freeze the evictions the efforts to uh, cap the rents uh, that, uh, that are being thwarted by say the uh, the landlord the landlords uh, in the in the doll amongst other uh, amongst other government uh, TDs uh, we do see the uh, discrepancy and also in the whole story of uh, representative democracy who is being represented by uh, by such uh, such a political class okay. there I mean, now where I'm getting there sorry uh, just uh, just to bring this uh, exactly as uh, James just said uh, he's worried of a government change and a policy change with respect to uh, uh, to ownership and but that's exactly what happened here the state has created a landlord state throughout the years and uh, any change in that ecosystem okay. uh, would... Uh, yeah. yeah, I just want to bring in a few other people as well. Paul is on the line. Paul, why did you get in touch about this? Uh, I got in touch because I'm a landlord, accidental landlord, unrented out property. I've been paying my mortgage uh, of 1400 a month. I get 1800 a month rent, which may be high. But I pay nine hundred of that eighteen hundred to the taxman, which means leaves me with a net loss of five hundred a month. And to be honest with you, I apologise to nobody. I get up early in the morning, I got a deposit for the house, I bought it, and now I'm listening to people talking about, you know, everybody has rights except the landlord. The only thing the landlord has to do now is sit back and let his house be taken off him if you listen to Sinn Fein and everybody else. I don't know. Can you hear me? Andrea? Yeah, no, I can hear you. I can hear. I can hear you. I can hear you perfectly. Um, so is th- this idea of having to apologise nearly for kind of being a landlord? And you heard James there. I mean, do you ever ex- do you hide the fact that you're a landlord? Absolutely not, Paul. No, absolutely not. I paid my mortgage. I bought the property. It's my property. I no longer feel like it's my property because I can't, for instance, put up the rent uh, to, to market rent. I can't, uh, you know, I have to give huge notice periods. Um, tenants can leave within a month. They don't, have to, they don't have to give you any long notice period. So what I feel is 
that the whole problem is being hosted and landlords are getting the blame for it. You know, if the government builds public housing, that's great. They can give that away to people. But not my house. I bought my house. I paid for my house. I paid for it with after-tax income. And I'm sick and tired of listening to people going on about greedy landlords. Most accidental landlords in Ireland are like me, that they've all paid for their house. They're all been under pressure. It was in negative equity. You know, at best now, property's back to prices that it was in 2006. And everybody's up in arms about it, saying landlords are making a fortune. I don't see why a landlord should uh, apologise. I mean, I also don't see, you know, I think if, if people are in hard times and the government wants to provide housing for them, that's fine. But I don't see why somebody who's bought and paid for and paid all the tax. I paid the tax when I bought the house. I paid the tax on my income tax every year. Why I should be left... Uh, now feeling guilty because I've done that. Maybe someone could explain that to me there. Like, I'm, I am I have my own uh, issues in so far as I've always had to look after the tenant. I've always done whatever needed to be done to the property and everything else. So why should I apologise in there? Robert, you're listening to this. I mean, what's your view on it? Like, what's your situation? Um, well, James mentioned there that he bought his first property in 2006. I did the leaving search in 2006. I've just turned 34. Uh, Lunchtime Live um, with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. I've always lived and paid tax in Ireland. Yeah. Since 2006, I've paid €128,000 in rent. In 2006, there was a renter's tax credit of between six and €800 that was phased out very sharply when we hit the economic crash and the IMF came in to bail out the state. But what's, obs- what's obtusely and constructively subversive here is that 50% of that 128,000 has gone to the state. So that's 64,000 euro or 64,000 euro. What's the 64,000 euro question? If you control 50% of the cash flow in a system, you control the system. The state has set the rate at 50%. And I'm actually kind of glad to hear the arguments that James and Paul both had there about the net effect that that has on their rental income. And I really seek to change the narrative here because the state is laughing all the way to the bank that's charging you 72 euro now a year to have a current account. Because the narrative is argument between the private landlord and the private tenant. But I ask the question, who is your landlord? If you pay 50% rental income to the state, that cash flow has been footed by the tenant. So really and truly here, what we have is a system that's built on a tenant tax where the landlord is simply a vendor. Through tax credit mechanisms for both the landlord and the tenants, the state can control this system. It has absolutely no interest whatsoever in doing so because now as it has been highlighted there are 80 members of the Oireachtas that could now really well and truly like what was it two days ago was 100 years since the death of Michael Collins Mm. like 100 years on we've got an Oireachtas full of barons and is that uh, but how do you change the system then or do we change it? Because all the texts coming in today from people that, that, you know, people that are trying to get houses, trying to buy houses, saving for mortgages, currently paying huge high rents. Like, the, you know, how, who's responsible okay. then to 
there's, there's a couple of points that I want to touch on. So if you ask any Irish person under 40 who hasn't lived abroad for a substantial amount of time or had the privilege of the option of living in their parental home or they're single because being not single is now almost a prerequisite to owning property. If you ask any of these people where their deposit is, it's with the state. The state has it. Mm. And then you have a situation with the banks, which, like I said, are now charging a 72 euro annually just to have a current account, which is a basic necessity that we all need to get paid our wages or salaries. And they charge even more if you have a credit card. And they're turning around and they're refusing mortgages to people who are paying more than the mortgage repayment in rent. And it's a fragrant abuse of power. For every 100 properties that were available to rent in the Irish market in 2009, there are three today. Right. That's a are you, 97% are you, reduction. Did you say, sorry, are you a, you're a, a, a tenant? Is that, is that right? Did I, oh, I am a tenant. You're yeah, a tenant, yeah. Robert, yeah. yeah. Now, That's where my 128,000 has gone. Uh, but still, let, let, let me just bring in another caller as well, if you don't mind. Um, I think, did we have Jim there? No, Jim, Jim, Jim might be gone on this. Um, I do see a text in here from a listener who just says, I don't normally text radio stations. I love messages that start like this, but I want to vent my anger on the show because over the past 30 years, my husband and I have bought and paid for seven Dublin properties. We've paid it all. We've paid all our taxes, significant stamp duty. Um, we were very fair landlords to our tenants. We even reduced the rents in hard times as well. A large number of our friends who were also landlords in a number of properties, um, they also have properties alone. There, that'll be seven less often available to rent. Anyway, it goes on to say landlords are treated terribly. If you think the rental market is bad now, it's going to be a hundred times worse um, when a lot of decent, law-abiding landlords exit it. This listener says if there were no landlords, there'd be nowhere to rent. It's quite simple. I'm not a landlord and I'm now in the fortunate position of not having to rent anymore. Uh, Landlords, the good ones, are important and so too are good tenants. People should have more security when renting. Absolutely. Should landlords have more protection against rogue tenants? Yes, they should too. It's the government who needs to change things because allowing landlords to not lose money and allowing tenants to be more secure rather than it costing more to rent than to pay a huge mortgage, especially when they cannot access a mortgage, is an absolute joke. This texter, I don't think landlords should apologise for being landlords. They should apologise for ripping off tenants by overpricing, uh, says this texter. And another listener here again on this. um, We've two rental properties. During the pandemic, one of the tenants marriages broke down we reduced the rent so that he could stay in it it's not all about profit I'm just happy sometimes to have a decent tenant for once look yeah it's a really interesting conversation um, and the view from from people that I suppose is being a landlord is it a a dirty word a word that people don't want to to say out loud I mean you heard James there a few moments ago um, but the struggle for, for tenants is very very real so how do we manage to square the circle and allow people the the opportunity and the luxury I suppose now of being able to even buy a home and how out of the realms of possibility is that for so so many people uh, in this country struggling to even pay rent let alone ever look at the possibility of getting a mortgage too says this texter uh, we leave it there for the moment though lunchtime live at newstalk.com that is the email address if you want to get in touch with us here on the programme Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.